Lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul. I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit. They say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. Yeah, I went with nothing, nothing but the thought of you. I went wandering. Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have family or friends who would like to watch the show, Somewhere in this world, but don't receive it, they can go to www.bornagainmormon.com and watch it live on streaming video from anywhere in the world. In the house tonight, our largest group ever, and I'm glad this is our two-year anniversary tonight of the show. We have Mary Ellen, Jed, Janet, Dave, Nancy, Nathan, Kelly, Kevin, Candace, Christian, Stephanie, Janet, Karen, Carolyn, Jerry, Lon, Jean, Pam, Owen, Gary, Kay, Jeff, JJ, Kevin, Jana, Derek, Natalie, Steve, Glenn Jr., Dan, Peter, Michelle, Laura, Billy, Margaret, and Catherine. Whoo! What a group! All wearing helmets and flak jackets. It's a great uh, thing to be able to do a show with so many people here. Last night, we did a traveling pastor in Tooele, Utah. It was a great meeting. We met at Denny's out there, and uh, we had some uh, wonderful baptisms with uh, Tanya and our brother Glenn, but we're going to show you a video of that next week. We weren't able to get uh, everything done that needed to be done for it. However, if you're interested in um, coming to future traveling pastors, I think we're going to have a graphic show up on the screen, and you'll see that uh, April 7th, we're going to be in uh, American Fork. May 5th, St. George, June 23rd at the Manti uh, Pageant, July 7th, Park City, August 4th in Logan. There's no uh, traveling pastor in September because we have our annual Heart in the Park then. October 6th in Provo, November 3rd, Ogden, December 4th, our second annual Christmas open house here at the station. For more information, if you want to see these dates, go to www.bornagainmormon.com. <clears throat> hey, on Friday evening, April 11th, and Saturday, April 12th, there's going to be an outstanding Bible conference coming to town. It's called Rooted in, and Raised in Truth. Now, there's a cost to this event, uh, but I think it will be well worth it. It's all about learning the Word and uh, a fantastic group of qualified speakers. You can kind of see them there at the bottom. There's going to be lunch, breakfast, free parking. It's going to be held at the E Center again on April 11th and 12th. For more information, call 801-280-8747 or go to info at aletheatruth.com. This is not Aletheia Ministries, which is our ministry. It's a completely different Aletheia Truth, but I highly recommend it. We'll keep promoting it until April 11th and 12th. 
For your information, the LDS Church now has put up a brand new website dedicated to Jesus. What they think about Jesus, I'm not going to give you the uh, address. It's from Melissa G. Letting us know I went and checked it out. And it has all the appearances of uh, really supporting Jesus and being Christian, but read the fine print. Lots of talk about the Joseph Smith Papers publication. A good friend Gary out in Springville sent me this Salt Lake Trib article. It's going to be known as the Church Historian Press New Documentation. And the church is going to come out and they're going to uh, print most of their history. Jensen, LDS Apostle, says we live in the age of transparency. We want to be as open as we can and correct the precepts, uh, the perceptions that were not. They haven't been in the past. Maybe they're going to be now. Um, but they really don't have a choice. Years ago, uh, years and years ago, I think it was Joseph Fielding Smith's time, somebody snuck into an LDS temple and took black and white photographs of the inside of the temple and was going to publish them. Hearing about this, Joseph Fielding Smith had the press go in, and not the press, but photographers go in and take pictures of the inside of the temple in beautiful color and uh, everything, and they published those in their own uh, magazine, and they preempted the secret photographs that were going to come out. The internet has made Mormon history so available and so open and so documented, they can no longer deny the stuff now. So now they're just going to print their own history and make it available. It's interesting, though, uh, from KSL.com, a website, uh, Jim sent us this. Uh, it says, quote, the Joseph Smith papers will include the much-debated first vision. Many are intrigued that Joseph Smith more than wrote more than one first vision, version of the first vision. Excuse me. That bothers some people that he wrote about it in different ways, but anyone who has hashed over uh, different things at different times knows why that happens. You do evolve in your thinking and your perspective. This is how they're explaining now. They're going to come out with the first vision. We told you last year, 2006, there's all kinds of versions of the first vision. They have never taught this to their membership ever. They've always said that he said, I saw God the Father standing on the right hand, the, Jesus standing on the right hand of God the Father. And it's all this rhetoric, not true. It took a fifth version to even come something close to that. Now they're coming out with it and they're saying, well, we all understand that things evolve. Perspectives evolve. It would be like me claiming that I saw an alien. And, my, and then when the press comes and interviews me and they say, what did you see? And I say, I saw an alien. And then they come back and they say, what did you see? And I say, I saw an alien. He had red hair and, and he had a wife and kids with him. And then they come back a year later. What did you see? I lived with them. There were thousands of them. And, and we had dinner together. I have a child by one of them now. And, I mean, it just goes on, and, and that's what they're trying to pull off now. They're trying to say, well, you know, he says he saw God, he saw a light in the first one, and then he saw Jesus in one, and then, you know, and, and they hinge everything on this first vision. Keep your eyes and ears open. Finally, in the Deseret News, uh, someone, I can't remember, sent me this. They're having a conference regarding blacks in the priesthood. And what's interesting about this article, Deseret News, February 27th, is the way they're spinning it now. It says, uh, the students who went to this conference on blacks and the priesthood didn't mention any specific problems at BYU, but did say they didn't appreciate the folklore that they said is sometimes spread by seminary teachers and church leaders regarding blacks in the church. One example the student said is when people say blacks sat on the fence 
or weren't fully committed to Christ in the pre-mortal life and therefore are punished by the color of their skin on earth. Speculation about inferiority in the pre-earth life is not part of church doctrine nor part of the curriculum. I want you to know that anybody who's been LDS, at least who's my age, 45 uh, and beyond, knows very well that this has been a teaching of the LDS church uh, from the onset. They call it folklore in here now, but I want you to know it's not, it has not been folklore. If they're going to step back and renounce it, fine, we'll uh, see what happens from there. Some of you may not be aware of this, but if you go on the internet in a Google or a Yahoo search and type in Sean McCraney or Born Again Mormon, you'll discover a whole, whole host of video clips which have been taken and placed on things like GodTube and YouTube and, and these other hosting sites, and it's truly amazing. Our gratitude to our supporters who have taken the time to edit and post these segments of the show, especially to Andreas in Norway, a person I've never met, but who takes uh, highlight segments and puts them on the internet. As the ministry takes off and people get to know about it, there are more and more detractors popping up, especially since the LDS leaders have come out and suggested to their members to please get online and defend your faith. Get online and show them what we really are about and what we really believe. Somebody recently made me aware of a Latter-day Saint who took the LDS apostles' request to heart. We thought we'd share with you tonight what some of the LDS are doing to defend their faith. Here we go. Let's roll this clip. Hi. Welcome to my show. I'm Sean McCraney. Welcome to my head is getting fat. I mean, uh, heart of the matter. Today we're going to be talking about Mormons and why Mormons aren't Christian. So... That's all I got to say to the Mormons. Anyway, you know, come to think of it, I hate Mormons about as much as I love bacon. There's some love hate for you. Oh, bacon. Wish I could just inject bacon grease right into my veins. Tastes so good. Anyway, Mormons aren't Christian. You want to know why? Because I said so. Let's take a call. Oh, uh, yeah, hi, Sean. Yeah. Uh, first time caller. I was just calling uh -huh. just because I wanted to tell you, great job, brother. <laughs> just, uh, spreading the word. And, uh -huh. uh, you're, uh -huh. you're, doing a, you're doing a heck of a job up there. Ah, uh, thank uh, you. In, uh, in uh, Utah, Mormon land. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah, you're doing great. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> Mormon land, that's great. I got to remember that. And you should, too, because the Mormons are taking over everything. They have blue blood. They sneak into your homes when you're when you're sleeping, and they keep secret records of people in their in their temples and junk. They're crazy. Let's take another call. Hello, caller. Hello, caller. Hello. Oh yeah, go ahead. Hello. Uh huh. Yes. Um, Sean, I was yeah. calling. Uh huh. Uh, I've uh, been a member of the LDS faith for a long time. Right. And uh, recently run into some difficulties. I uh drink. I drink a lot of alcohol. I drink like a uh, Chechen army general. Uh-huh. And, uh... Drink a lot. Enjoy I do, too. Little kids. You uh, beat up little kids? I do, how too. How do I fix that? And how do I make my life better through, uh, our Lord and Savior? Thank you. Okay. So, how do you turn your life over to the Lord? Well, it's simple. Pull out your checkbook and write a check to me. Or buy my book. At any rate, you're still gonna have to write a check to me. 
give me your money, and I really won't show you any way of how to get to Jesus or how to change your life, but I will tell you what's wrong with the Mormons. Mormons. Okay, let's take a commercial break. We'll be right back. So uh, I don't think uh, I need to say anything. Speaks for itself. Uh, lots of video uh, clips tonight. Last week, a caller named Scott and I went the rounds about knowing and on how someone truly knows Jesus Christ and how that actually plays out in their life. In the end, the caller was defending a relativist postmodern view, which essentially erases all claims of absolute truth and instead presents the world in a way of my way is fine, your way is fine, everybody's way is fine, there's no absolute truth, and just let's just try to feel good and love each other. And um, he, inti he intimated that Jesus Christ could be known and believed by anybody. And I said if someone really knew him and believed in him, they would be called Christians. And he seemed to be saying that, that they could believe anything they wanted if they just threw the belief in, of Jesus in the mix. And I contended that if Jesus was truly in the mix, then uh, they would truly be Christian and not embrace those other heretical teachings or doctrines. Uh, well, amazingly enough, Hollywood has come out with uh, a segment of a show, ER, where they address this postmodern issue. And what we're going to see is a clip from that. And what happens in this clip is there's a man who's dying, who has done some things that were bad in his life. And he's being visited by this postmodern, everything is love, a female preacher pastor in his room and the film clips rather long but this is only going to take about 30 seconds because we just show you the highlight of his response and the problem with the relativist postmodern view today and how it plays out in people's lives so let's show that what are you saying because all i'm hearing is some new age god is love one size fits all crap i want a real chaplain who believes in a real god and a real hell I need answers, and all your questions and your uncertainty are only making things worse. Look me in the eye and tell me how to find forgiveness, because I am running out of time. It's an amazing scene, and it perfectly displays the problem with Scott's philosophy, that Jesus is okay, hell, you know, all these concepts of the Christian church, let's just water them down and not talk about them and say, you know, you're being narrow-minded if you stand up for something and say it's concrete and that it's true and that it's absolute. So I thought that that uh, segment which someone sent to me was uh, great. Finally, since the beginning of our ministry, one of the greatest personal frustrations I've had uh, is when people uh, discount my experience as a Latter-day Saint. Uh, they say the things that I perceived or saw as a member just aren't true. Why, Sean, they'll say, I've been a member of this church my entire life and I've never seen any of these things that you talk about. Because the doctrines that we present are provable and they're almost always in print somewhere, their denials are usually in reference to the attitudes and general opinions uh, I claim the saints maintain and share within their own ranks. From my experience, I may say that the LDS are truly spiritual, spiritually arrogant. They'll come back and say, oh, we're not arrogant. We're just confident in having the Lord's truth. I'll say they have hidden agendas. They'll say they just don't share publicly what, is, uh, what the public can't handle. Well, last week, we received a call from a man who identified himself as John. 
He said he was in a bishopric and was from Illinois. Because of John's tone, I think he probably was and is a stalwart. It was a call I have been waiting to receive on the show for two years. You see, there's a public persona that the LDS maintain, and then there's an attitude that they will exhibit one to another to those who are in the know or those who are the elect. And I think it's probably a culmination of their history of persecution and their political environment and their secret temple rights and the us versus them mentality that goes on. But finally, we had an LDS person from Illinois last week call and forget that he was on live television. Before we watch this clip of John's call, I want you to listen for a few things. First, listen to the tone he has in his voice. They use tone like a tool. Second, listen to John's references. To whom does he say, I will be ashamed? To Joseph Smith. To whom does he say, I will look up to out of outer darkness? Joseph Smith. Who does he say's face will shine like the noonday sun? Joseph Smith. Not Jesus because Jesus is not in their heart. Finally, when I countered John and I questioned him and I frankly threw it back in his face that he was not a high priest, listen to what comes out of his heart then when he's challenged with him not being what he says he is. Let's roll that clip. John, you're on Heart of the Matter. Sean, I'm an active member of the church. I'm in the bishopric where I live and I have something to say to you. Yes, sir. By the power of the holy Melchizedek priesthood, I rebuke you and I command you to turn from your evil ways. You're a son of perdition and you're an apostate. And I rebuke you by my priesthood. Do you hear me? Is something supposed to happen now? John, with the this priesthood. Game, Sean. John, with the priesthood that you have that you're taking from Jesus Christ, the only high priest that we have. Am I supposed to be afraid of this thing that you're trying to throw down on me, this false priesthood? I, I am a high priest, John. You are not a high priest. Jesus is the only high priest there is, John O'Fallon. You are misled, my brother, and you're going to be sorely surprised when you stand before him and you try to say, I'm a high priest. He's going to say, I'm the high priest, and there is no other. I'm sorry, my friend, you are misled, and I say this in love. You can know freedom. You don't know it sitting in that bishopric. I've been there. Sean, what are you going to do when you're in outer darkness and you look up and see Joseph Smith's face shining brighter than the new day sun? How are you going to feel then? I, I love this. Thank you. Uh, I will, I guess, try to get a tan by it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you, listen, John, look it. You must have watched the shows out there in Illinois. You can see. You've heard. I'm presenting evidence. You're not calling me insane. Sean, you're so wrong on this fact. Sean, this I'm rebuking is so you by the power of the Holy Melchizedek priesthood, and that's more powerful than anything you have. Than any fact. Okay. Well, is there anything else you want to say before I go to the next call? Yes. Yes. Okay. You know, I wish they would bring the Danites back. I really do. What would they do? What I really they... wish the Danites... Tell the audience what the Danites would do, John. Well, you know, I don't have to say. You want me to tell the audience? Okay, John, I'm going to let you go. They, people have criticized us for saying that Mormonism uh, is not as it seems. Uh, they have been mad at us for saying that Mormonism does not deserve to have a president of the United States. They have said we're hateful, that we're bigoted, that we're dangerous because we don't embrace all the good that Mormonism does in this world. I'm telling you, having been a member of the church for 40 years plus, 
that the roots of this church from Joseph Smith up is humanism. It is humanism and it's man-centered all the way. It represents in some ways the best of humanism, but it also represents the worst of humanism. The general intent is to take over, it sounds funny, but it is to take over the world. And if not by loving persuasion, which they're able to deliver, then by might. I promise you that. We received, interestingly enough, a follow-up email from John from Illinois. Really quickly, it says, I called you last week during your show and rebuked you by the power of my priesthood. You said on your show that your wife is a member of the church in Southern California. Sean, do you know that your wife's bishop still exercises authority over you even though you have apostatized? That bishop has authority over all the people, members and non-members alike that live in his geographical area, including you. Repent and go see your bishop and tell him of your evil ways. President Monson has ultimate authority over you, Sean. You will not enter the celestial kingdom without the consent of Joseph Smith Jr. It's people like you that prevent God's kingdom on earth from receiving further light and knowledge from, this at this, from him at this time. I know the church is true. I know Joseph Smith is a true prophet of God. I know that Thomas S. Monson is a prophet of God. I know the Book of Mormon is true. John, Illinois. Let's go to a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we want you to know and the people in the audience to know that we do care about Mormons. That's why we do the show. We care about them knowing the truth because the truth will set them free. We care about Mormonism, the doctrines that are errant and antithetical to the biblical truths we believe. We pray it will crash, fall, that this state will be set afire with your spirit, Lord, that people will come to you praising you. The Mormon people will come with their hands lifted praising you, God, and not look to the man-made ways of this religion any longer. We pray that you'll protect this station, you'll protect the show, the people here, the people at home, and you'll open eyes and ears tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Last, night we can, <clears throat> last week, we continued to speak about the fall. We talked about the LDS view that Adam had to sin to bring about God's wishes, and we claim that this was not so according to the Bible. <clears throat> we explained the LDS way of thinking that God gave Adam two commandments, multiply, replenish the earth, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and that he had to break one of those commandments. He had to be disobedient to God in one of them in order to fulfill the other. It was the only way they were going to learn how to make babies if they uh, was to take of the tree, break the commandment, and eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We received a really insightful call from a man last week who pointed out that God had commanded the animals to multiply and replenish the earth prior to the fall. Again, was this an empty command on God's part, or were the animals capable of carrying this out? And if so, couldn't have Adam and Eve even have seen that and known how to procreate? Finally, we asked the question, if eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is a good thing to the LDS, which would enable Adam and Eve to create bodies for the spirit children in heaven, why would Satan tempt Eve to eat of the fruit, knowing full well that in doing so, God's plan would be put 
put into effect. The ultimate goal of Satan should have been to keep Adam and Eve away from that tree completely forever and ever and ever. And if he did, all of us would still be in the spirit world banging on the gates saying, come on, Adam, sin, sin, so that we can come down and get bodies. Before we discuss the fall upwards, as the LDS call it, before we discuss whether they transgressed or sinned, and before we discuss the fall as it plays out in relation to salvation or the virgin birth, and the fall plays into the LDS concept of the virgin birth, I have to take the time tonight to briefly discuss something called the Adam-God doctrine. Now, let me make some things perfectly clear. I am sharing this teaching with you, but the LDS have. They have officially and publicly renounced this doctrine or this teaching. Amazingly enough, they publicly renounced the teaching of the Adam-God doctrine or what they call the Adam-God theory. So why would you be talking about this teaching, LDS, I'm sure are asking, and you might be asking yourself if you're Christian. By the time we're done, you'll understand why. Now, this teaching, which was introduced by Brigham Young to the church, has been a miserable doctrine to the LDS church and their desire for legitimacy. They have attempted to say and do all sorts of things to make it seem like it was never really taught, that it was never really doctrine, or that it was never really understood, so therefore, you know, it's been problematic. After you hear the facts, you say whether their explanations for it are right or not. Now, obviously, the Adam-God doctrine stands in contrast and conflict to the Bible. But admittedly, it also stands in conflict with the Book of Mormon. So, Church President Spencer W. Kimball, back when I was a teenager, publicly stated that the Adam-God doctrine was false doctrine, quote, even though it was taught as true doctrine by Brigham Young for over 19 years and embraced by the church as true doctrine for over 50 years. Now, I challenge you to go and read for yourselves about this doctrine. Go to utlm.org and read the statements and quotes in the history of the Adam-God doctrine yourself. What did Brigham Young say or teach? In a sermon he said, listen, quote, Now hear it, O inhabitants of the earth, Jew and Gentile, Satan, and sinner. When our father Adam came into the Garden of Eden, he came into it with a celestial body and brought Eve, one of his wives, with him. He helped to make and organize this world. He is Michael the Archangel, the Ancient of Days, about whom holy men have written and spoken. He is our Father and our God and the only God with whom we have to do. Now listen, if this was just a matter of Brigham Young making a slip of the tongue, it would still be a preposterous teaching. But this teaching was not a singular event or a singular slip of the tongue. Brigham Young, prophet, seer, revelator of the LDS Church, has a big university named after him. He's hailed here as the great organizer. He taught it repeatedly, and he had the LDS folks under his power embrace it as doctrine during his day. Brigham Young made the claim that once he has spoken, and then he had the chance to correct what he had said, his words were scripture. But he never corrected anything about the Adam-God teachings throughout his life, so he was presenting this teaching as the Word of God. LDS defenders today try to say it was never taught as doctrine or that Brigham never intended it to be. But a year after he delivered that sermon on Adam-God, it was printed in the LDS Millennial Star newspaper, and then it was reproduced in the Journal of Discourses where Brigham Young himself completely endorsed it by allowing it to be printed as it was. 
In fact, Jung was still teaching the Adam-God doctrine over two decades later. It seems the people, the LDS people, were having trouble embracing this teaching, and it caused Young to say in June 18th of 1873, some 17 years later after officially announcing it to the world, quote, how much unbelief exists in the minds of Latter-day Saints in regard to one particular doctrine which I revealed to them and which God revealed to me, namely that Adam is our father and our God. <clears throat> Later in the speech, he has Adam explaining himself, and he has Adam say, quote, I want my children who were in the spirit world to come and live here. I once dwelt on an earth something like this in a mortal state. I was faithful. I received my crown in exaltation, meaning he became a god. I have the privilege of extending my work, and to its increase there will be no end. I want my children that were born to me in the spirit world to come and take tabernacles of flesh, that their spirits may have a house, a tabernacle, or a dwelling place as mine has. And where is the mystery? Does anyone who is LDS, did anyone who is LDS believe Brigham Young? Prominent LDS leader Franklin D. Richards in the Millennial Star said, quote, concerning the doctrine that Adam is our father and God, the prophet and apostle Brigham has declared it, and that is the word of the Lord. George Q. Cannon said, Jesus Christ is Jehovah, and Adam is his father and our God. Hosea Stout in his personal journal wrote, another meeting this evening. Brigham Young taught that Adam was the father of Jesus and the only God to us. In the minutes of the LDS school, the prophets, 10 or 15 years later, uh, A.G. McDonald wrote, When I first heard of the doctrine of Adam being our father and God, I was favorably impressed, enjoyed and hailed it as a new revelation. It appeared reasonable to me as the father of our spirits that he should introduce us here. I think this quote brings out an important point, point that needs to be understood about the Adam-God teaching, which is now uh, refuted by the LDS as false. That is, the teaching was that Adam whose true identity was Michael, above in the pre-existence, had once been a man on another world and had reached Godhood through his faithfulness. He had acquired many wives who were sealed to him in this earlier life. And then in the pre-existent state, he was in a celestial glory state. We were his, his spirit children, and he, pre he procreated them. And then he, as Michael, came to earth with this celestial body with one of his wives, Eve, he became Adam, he fell upward purposefully, and then with Eve he procreated so that these spirit children he and his wives had in the pre-existence could come forth and have a body. This is the LDS teaching. It's now discounted, it's now refuted. Where's the rub? The rub is that first, Brigham, as the prophet of the LDS believers, either told them an eternal truth or he told them a lie. This would mean that Spencer W. Kimball, as the prophet of the LDS Church, either told us the truth or he told us a lie. In either case, these men have led LDS people, believing good LDS people, like yourselves, astray. Listen to the Mormonicious way that Spencer W. Kimball rescinded the Adam-God doctrine. He said in October 9 of 1976 in the Church News, Quote, we warn you against the dissemination of doctrines which are not according to scriptures and which are alleged to have been taught by some of the general authorities of past generations. They didn't have the internet then. Such, for instance, is the Adam-God theory, 
We renounce that theory and hope that everyone will be cautious against this and other kinds of false doctrine, end quote. So while it is perfectly acceptable for men like Brigham Young to teach good searching people whatever the hell inspires him as truth, and then it is just as acceptable for Spencer W. Kimball to come along and retroactively denounce it and say that it's false, who loses in this doctrinal war, this authoritative war? The people who have trusted them. This is the point of bringing up the Adam-God doctrine. What can you believe? You have not been able to trust anything they have given you because they change it, they surreptitiously move it around, they deny it, they emphasize it, they don't discount it, every now and then they will. It's just a mind blower. What's the lesson? Turn to Jesus Christ, my friends. This is the whole message of our show. We're gonna go to the phones, but turn to Jesus Christ. He is the one. Call out to him. Make him your Lord and sovereign king. Make him the high priest and prophet of your life. Turn to him. Go to your uh, quiet space and ask him to change your heart and to open your eyes and ears and your heart, and he'll do that. You don't need Joseph or Brigham or Thomas Monson or their standard works. You don't need this show. You don't need me. You need the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior where you can say in the mirror and to anybody else, I know I've been forgiven. I know where I'll go when I die. And I have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's open up the phones, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. The phone lines are full. John O'Fallon from Illinois is back on the line, and I guess we'll take it. John, you're on the air. Yeah, this is John calling, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm still alive. <laughs> well, I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean that part, but I do have some more to say to you. Yes, sir. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Sean, is restored Christianity. President Monson is my prophet, and he's your prophet whether you want to admit it or not. And this church is an eternal and constant church, and nothing is going to stop it. It's like the rock that was cut from the mountain without hands, and it's going to roll forth throughout Good. the whole earth until it fills it. Is it the rock that, that was cut out of the mountain without hands, John? Yes. Okay, I'm glad to hear an LDS say that, because uh, we've said on our show many times that you know Christians all know that in context, that rock that was cut out of the mountain without hands is Jesus Christ. But it's really great that the LDS Church has made it a church that's rolling forward. No, it's, it's the church, Sean. And okay. President Monson is my prophet, and he is your prophet. President Monson is not my prophet at all. Ever, never will be, John. He is. Don't, don't speak. Let me, don't, John, uh, uh, Sean, one of the reasons I'm upset is because my wife's been watching this show. Good. And she's been having some doubts, and it's caused some contention, and I'm a little upset about it. Sorry, John, that's my unruly audience, and there are many of them, so I can't shut them down. Uh, I'm, what, go ahead, John. Well, I... What, why do you think she's intrigued? What is it about the show that's making her question and even have doubts? Well, she's questioning things, Sean, and, you know, our church leaders, they, they've taught us a lot, and they've done a lot of... I, I know people don't like to hear this, but they've done a lot of the thinking for us. The decisions have already been made. We know the church is true, and you're out there planting seeds of doubt in people's minds. John, all I want 
through our ministry is for the Latter-day Saints to have and develop a regenerative spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, uh, and what we found, John, as we opened the show up two years ago, is that when we just talked about Jesus and how, you know, that's what had to happen, we found out the LDS were calling and saying, yeah, we're all alike, we're all good, everything's fine. So I had to get hardline on them and show we're not alike. Having been one 40 years, John, I know what you believe, but I'm telling you, having been a Christian for 10, I, I, I know exactly what the biblical truth is. You haven't experienced both sides of the fence. I have. John, you've broken your temple covenants, and you need to go to your wife's bishop, even though you're not a member, but she is. Yeah. That man still exercises authority over you because you live in his area, and you need to go to him and repent. John? Repent. John? I've gone to the Lord and repented of my sin. I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have a relation, living relationship with him. I have peace in him. He is my guide. I am a better man now uh, in one given hour than I ever was in 40 years as a member of the LDS Church because of him and his righteousness. Do you have peace, John? What's that? Do you have peace? I do. John, if you got hit by a car today... Do you know where you would go? I would go to the celestial kingdom, the highest degree of the celestial kingdom. Why would you go there? Because I've been through the temple and I've received all the ordinances. Keep going. I pay my tithing. I follow the prophets. Okay. Anything else is the reason why you go to this highest degree of the celestial kingdom? I have a testimony of the church. Of the church, okay. Anything else that you can think of is the reason you would be able to go to the highest degree of the celestial kingdom. Anything else, John, that would come to your mind? John, what, what sins have you committed? Why, why? I've committed every sin under the sun. What do you want from me? Do you want me to draw you pictures? I've committed every sin you can imagine. Does that make you feel better? You're a sinner too, John. It's just you don't... Why can't you live the standards of the church? That's... Because I'm a weak man. John, you don't live the standards of the church. Last week, you gave, us, you gave us evidence of that. You essentially said you wish I was killed. John, you're not, you're not obeying the, the rules of, of the gospel. You can't. Do you, John, do you realize that every time on Sunday when you take the sacrament, you promise God that you're going to obey his commandments? Now, let me ask you something, John. Do you obey every one of his commandments? No, I fall short sometimes. Okay, Sean. and do you know you're going to fall short when you make that promise on Sunday? Yeah. Okay, so you're lying to God every Sunday when you take that sacrament, when you promise and covenant that you're going to keep all his commandments, but you know in your heart you can't do it. You're lying to God every day of the week. Is this making sense to you, my brother? Sean, the Book of Mormon says we're saved by grace after all we can do. That is not grace when you add after all we can do. That's like saying you're a little pregnant or something. I mean, John, listen, go back and watch all the shows. How come you're not hitting me on anything that has to do with our facts? How come you're not hitting me with anything that has to do with our history, John? How come it's all about my sins and my failures as a man? I want to know what temple covenants you broke. All of them. You broke all of them? Every one of them. Okay, so you're an adulterer? Sure. You are. What did Jesus say, John? He says, if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed it already. I committed it so many times, I, I, can't, I can't count. So have you. 
Haven't you, John? John, I think. John. Curse. John. I think you're John. John, answer my question. John. Have, John, just answer that one. Have you committed adultery in your heart? John, this isn't a forum for me to. to but it's a forum for you to talk about my sin. For the world here. This How come you get to ask me about my sin, but when I turn it on you, suddenly that you go quiet? This is about your sins, not mine. <laughs> I understand. This is well entertaining television at its best. Anything else, John? I want to know what great sins you've committed. I told you. Why Th that's a dead horse, man. It's, you it's... Need, go see your bishop. Go see your wife's bishop in Southern California. And John? Him for beg him for forgiveness. Beg him and the Lord for forgiveness. I, 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 I beg the Lord for forgiveness every day of my life, my brother, and that is what's needed for a believer in Jesus Christ. I pray, I pray that you'll come to have a regenerative relationship with him. I pray that you will be unshackled from these chains that have you saying in order of your going to this highest degree of a temple, of you being obedient to tithing, of do, believing the prophet of the Book of Mormon, and you didn't mention Jesus Christ once. That is an indictment against your faith wholesale. John, it's been a great call. Call back again, my brother. Bye-bye. Whoa! Woo! I hope our audience members and those of you who are Christians at home are praying for John because what a work the Lord would do if he calls again someday and he's saved. Pray for John. Pray for John and his wife that this conflict that's going in their home, the Lord will use that to bring them together. We know how that happens, don't we? We've all been there, haven't we? We know. Okay, that's a wonderful call. Jason, Online to Jason, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, that John, man, he, he's got to look at his beliefs and compare it to communism and fascism. Mm. That's what it sounds like. Fascism is a horrible thing. Yeah, but anyways, what I was going to say, this is the, the Jesus we believe in from the Mormon Jesus. This is the true Jesus. This is part of it, not all of it, but this... See, Jesus died for, um, you know, everyone's sins. Everyone, you know, past, present, future... Even the ones before him, he also died for all the races. That includes blacks and Asians and African or Native Americans. And now let me tell you this, Mormons, if Cain was truly, really 100% cursed because of his skin, when Jesus died right then and there, the curse of Cain would have been lifted up. There, oh. His kids would not be cursed no more. Oh, good point. Jesus did not just die for the Mormon white race. He died for, if Jesus was walking down the street right now, there would be people that would hate him, you know, but he would still love them. If they spit on him, he would still love them. If he worshiped the devil and said, I rebuke you because I'm a Satan worshiper, they would, he would still love them and give them a chance. And, you know, and this Joseph Smith and all these so-called prophets, why aren't they walking around on the streets and healing people like Jesus did if they're so high and mighty and great? And let me tell you, John, you can't get into the celestial kingdom. Remember what you said, Sean? Pro great price, if I'm right, or Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 22. You have to at least uh, practice uh, plural marriage. Remember that? He can only go to the second highest. Oh, oh, oh. That's right. Hey, good point. Jason, it's a great call, full of passion. Thank you so much. Hey, really quick here. All these prophets, this man, all these prophets, if I not cut them open, will they not bleed? We have. They will bleed. But hell, yeah. 
it's the same color blood. We have bone. We have flesh. We have the same desire. We want wealth and we want happiness. Mormons are the same as Christians, but their beliefs are just backwards. All right, my brother. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bye. Bye-bye. By the way, really quickly, there's a, a verse I came across talking about the pre-existent belief that uh, uh, there could have been sins committed there and you're, you're stationed in this life according to the life you live there. Uh, it says in Romans 9:11, for children not being yet born, neither having done neither good nor evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So if you want to use the scripture for the LDS, you talk about a preexistence and us, us having done good or evil, then go to Romans 9:11. Let's go to Michael and St. George. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, uh, I just want to know, does God make brains? Does God make brains? Yes, um, I just wanted to know, and, uh, you know, uh, I just don't understand uh, if God makes brains and... Uh, I just didn't know if you could comment on that, Sean. No, oh, Michael. I, did, I wanted to know because I just wanted to know um, because my head's getting fatter. I like to eat Twinkies. And uh, by gosh, people like me. Sean, you're not fooling anybody. We all know who you are. And we're watching for you. And check out YouTube because we're coming, buddy. All right, Michael. Thank you. I'm being threatened with YouTube. It's all. <laughs> All right, uh, we are going to Lou in Provo. Lou, you're on Heart of the Matter. You got to turn that TV down, Lou. Okay, I'm calling about people in the temple. They still believe that God is that Adam is our God because in the temple they tell us that we should consider ourselves as Adams, and it's our it's our life journey to be an Adam. And Adam was Michael in the preexistence, and so he was a God. So they still believe that we. Worship. Adam is our God. Very good point. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, Lou. Bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Bob in South Jordan. Bob, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. How uh, you doing? I was just uh, telling this call screener that it really strikes me that, and I don't necessarily, in fact, I probably don't believe that that person that keeps calling in this John O'Fallon is uh, a plant by you guys, but I'm going to tell you, I have no doubt that he's not really LDS. Really? Yeah. Just it's it's impossible. So he sets up last week. He completely embarrasses himself in the church. Yeah. So then he sends you a wonderful email embarrassing himself further. Then he calls today and he slips in the information. Oh yeah, my wife is now completely doubting because of things she's saying. And you know, and he and by the way, you know, when the brethren talk, the Mormons have uh, had their thinking done for them. And he's <laughs> that was a little stereotype. <laughs> he he was an extreme stereotype. I have to admit, Bob. I I. Uh... I, I think he's a setup. I mean, I, he's not a I setup for us. We set nobody up. No, I, I, and that's what I'm saying. I don't believe you did it, but there's enough guys out there that you know that want to mock the church. That when I see something like that, I'm sorry. There, there's nothing credible about this guy. And uh, as I was telling uh, Bob, you, I tried to find him. Bob, you do have to admit there are people who do take the standard lines, like what he's saying. I, I think some people do. Yeah, yeah. sure. So and, I mean, he could be one of them. I, I, I would find it absolutely impossible to find him in a bishopric. Well, what, what makes me think he's legit is that last week when he called, I thought he, di he didn't vary off on any of the other stuff. I thought that he just slammed down and, uh, and gave exactly what an LDS would say who feels uh, some, um, some indignation for this show. And I thought that was legit. The other stuff, maybe he's just falling apart at the seams, grasping at straws. Well, it, the thing is, is, and you served a mission, so did I, that um, 
you are told not to condemn people. You're not supposed to use your priesthood to condemn other people and to have him stand up and rebuke you and so forth. Absolutely contrary to the teachings of the church. I have to tell you, on my mission, we were we were always talking about who to uh, dust our feet on. Sure, and your mission president was telling you not to do it to anybody. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, you so fib. <laughs> you you know that it says right in the white handbook you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, I'm not sure it says it on the white handbook. If you show me, I'll, I'll I'll repent on that one, Bob. Okay. Hey, good call. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. All right, we're going to Mallory McCraney from New York City. Mallory. Dad, what's up? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, but I'm getting pretty fired up over here. I won't lie. Uh, at the calls? I, I have a few things to say. Now, I think everyone knows my stance, but I don't know uh, if I believe in God or not. But it's so disturbing to me to hear how much... Uh, People really don't ever use, like you said, they don't say Jesus Christ ever. It's all about this church, 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 and all the leaders. And why can't, wouldn't you want to go to the most direct source you could be, and that would be to Jesus Christ and your personal relationship with him. Why do you need all these in-between dudes? I agree, baby. It's just, a good it's, call. Oh, I'm getting really, uh... You getting fired up? And all these YouTube people, too, man. You know, you're taking a risk by putting yourself out there, Dad, and, I, and I'm sorry for the people that, you know, don't have anything else to do with their lives but to, you know, scorn scorn you for it. But well, you're doing good, and I'm very proud of you. Thanks, baby. I love you. I love you, too. Thanks for the call. That's Bye. That wasn't set up either. <laughs> They'll email and say, nice, you'll, you'll sacrifice your daughter for your purposes. It's terrible. Okay, uh, we're going to Jamie, line two. Jamie, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how you doing, bud? Doing well. How are you? Man, it's awesome, man. I called last week. Hey, uh, I just, uh, I, I was listening to you speak to John, and, uh, and I just prayed that God would open his eyes and soften his heart, and uh, it's just an awesome thing that the Lord has blessed you with this ministry, but uh, like Romans 3, 6, there's a couple of scriptures that I just want to tell John real quick, if he's listening. Okay. Um, Romans 3, 6, uh, or no, it's 3:23. it says... Uh, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then 24, it says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. And so Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, he talked a lot about works. When in the Bible, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace you're saved through faith, that it's not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of your works, lest anyone should boast. Yeah, it's a great scripture. And G Titus, and one last one for him, if he's still listening, is that Titus uh, 3, 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing and the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So, I Praise mean, God. I Thanks so much, Jamie. Great scripture. Yeah, man. Hey, uh, pray for that, man. We will. God bless you, man. God bless you. Bye-bye. Everybody who's calling, including my daughter, saying man a lot. Man, is. Anyway, uh, you know, I I'm thinking here, I think the guy's legitimate, regardless of what Bob said, uh, because he was really harping on me about my sin. And I think if he was a Christian in disguise and liked our ministry and was trying to bolster what we're doing, I don't think he would have tried to embarrass me as much as, as uh, John did. So I think uh, my inclination is probably 85% surety that he's LDS and just a very uh, stalwart, which many, Bob admitted, many of them are, and they have that mindset. 
Bob is a very smart guy, so he looks at many aspects of the church. He hasn't seen the truth yet, but he's, he's looking at many aspects. Uh, but many of them don't, and those people, they need to hear the truth. Let's go to Bill. Line four in Salt Lake City. Bill, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, I was wondering if you would be able to comment when you were an active member of the uh, LDS Church and those around you, how did they come to grips and yourself with the uh, ever-changing universal laws that even God was supposed to live by, and they just seemed to, you know, mold it and change it and flatten it out from temple ceremonies to the, uh, the, the, you know, the doctrines and the uh, subtractions from even the Book of Mormon, the early versions? Um, did they, you know, these are usually rational thinking individuals any day of the week. Yeah. And then when it comes to this stuff, it's they just completely lose their mind. And yeah. uh, I was wondering if you'd be able to comment on that for me. And I'll hang up. All right, Bill. Great question. Um, well, the way I rationalized it as an active member of the church and defender of the faith, ardent defender of the faith, was that we believe in modern day revelation and that what God has said in the past he may change for us. To him, it's not changing because he has a scope of all truth and he can see the beginning and the end and it's not a changing of him. It's just a different focus of operation. So they could, what they would say, for instance, they changed the temple ceremony. At one time when I first went through, you did things that you would, uh, that were certain actions that would signify the way you would uh, lose your life if you revealed the secrets. Well, they removed those later. And then the way you justified that was God wants more people to come. He wants more people. And some people could be offended by that old way. And so now he wants more people. And so he's opening up even bigger, broader arms for more to come. And they just rationalize it in that God is in control. Modern day revelation is guiding it. And they can alter and change anything uh, with that uh, being the case. Why these rationally minded people believe that? Because they were taught from the beginning, follow the prophet, follow the prophet, follow the prophet, don't go astray. And it's in their mindset. To, it's authoritarian by nature. It's uh, upward climb to the top ladder and everything is that way. And they learn to live in that situation. So that's how they respond. Okay, we're going to Jeffrey in Salt Lake City. Jeffrey, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Doing well, how are you? Not too bad. Hey, I'm, I have to admit, I'm actually a first-time caller. I've never uh, watched your show before. Just kind of flipped into the channels and saw you on here. Uh-huh. I haven't heard of you and actually just caught a statement you were, you were making on on your show here. Okay. Uh, just I had kind of have to second Bob, first of all, um, with with so-called John calling in. Uh-huh. Um, definitely not. And I've been an active member of the church for my, for my whole life, basically. Um, sort of a mission not too long ago, but... Um, as John being the so-called member, you know, the things they're saying were outrageous. A member would really never say those things. Um, well, anybody who belongs to the church would not want to admit that John was a member. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the only response you're going to really be able to give because, I mean, who would want to say, yeah, yeah, he really represents us. I mean, and, it, and, of course, anyone outside the church like yourself is going to say the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You're going to say he doesn't, he does represent the church. Is it, and, you know, it's in your biased opinion. I understand that. But you will admit, Jeff, there are people who do believe that way as members of the church. To tell you the honest truth, I've never met one myself. I love um, that. If you have, and How old are you? I am 22. Okay, well. Um, I... And, just real quick before I let you go, um, yeah. just a question for you. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't know much about your show. I've never watched it. Never before. seen it. Um, but as yourself, like, do you feel like you know, you know who God is? Oh, uh, yeah, intimately. Definitely. Yeah. And so on an intimate level, um, you know, one, one chapter I love to refer to in the Bible, 
is uh-huh. John chapter 17. Okay. And so that's intercessory prayer, of course. I'm uh-huh. sure you've read it many times. Uh-huh. Um, and so when it comes to the intercessory prayer, and I'm, I would imagine as a born-again Christian, you definitely believe in the Trinity. Yeah. Okay, and so you know the background of the Trinity doctrine, of course. Yeah. Obviously, it comes from the Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, no, it oh, doesn't, but go ahead. You go from John you're, chapter... You're setting up your whole, <laughs> your whole straw man here, Jeffrey, like a missionary would do. Huh? you got to get to the point, man. Okay, John chapter 17, obviously, God, or Jesus Christ, talks about how he's praying for the apostles as one, and yeah. how the 12 of them should be one as him and God are one. Right. Um, in that form of the Trinity, that you consider... Um, Christ definitely clears up the Trinity right there, the Trinity theory, obviously because, as he says, be one as I and, I and the Father are one. Yeah. Um, does he mean that the 12 apostles need to come together? The Trinity does not believe, is not uh, monotheism. I mean, it's monotheism, uh, Jeffrey. It's not that they are com- one, that the Father is the Son and the Son is the Holy Spirit. They are three in one. Remember that about the Trinity. I understand that. Three in one. Right, and I understand that. So okay. in that case, when it comes to 12 apostles, Obviously, all the 12 apostles are still 12 individual people. Right. And so when God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost are the same in one in purpose, I understand that, and one in what you're saying, I understand where you're coming from. But at the same time, when God separates the 12 apostles into 12 different people, he's not saying that I am the Father and the Father is me and the Holy Ghost. Or, I mean, honestly... I've had people try to explain the Trinity to me, to me over and over and over. Yeah. I've never got, I mean. You're not going to get it. Give me a clear definition of the Trinity right now. Just give me, what is the Trinity? Jeff, a, a, you know what? We got other calls. Call back, uh, but I'm not going to try to explain the Trinity with a minute left on the show. Okay. I don't think you can anyways. Well, yeah, I don't think I can either because okay. if you, if your little mind in, the, in that skull and my little mind and mine can understand an incomprehensible God, I think he's a God I really don't want anything to do with. But, but I believe in a God who manages the universe and creates things from nothing and, uh, and does all kinds of miraculous, wonderful, trillion, billion things. You believe in an anthropomorphic God who has testicles and lungs. We differ on that, my friend. What you're saying is you, you know God, but you don't even know who he is. No, I'm saying I know God through his son, Jesus Christ, and I, the Holy Spirit. But I do not know completely who God is, and neither do you. Okay, i got to move on. It's not the, we're just out of time. we got a call I want to take. Bye-bye. Cassidy and Delaney. It's just my, my daughters are calling. Cassidy and Delaney, you have one minute. Daddy, we love you. We just wanted to say that if they knew Sean and McCraney as the Mormon, they would never tell you. They would never tell you to go back to it. Well, Sean McCraney, the Christian, is a much better man, and we love you, and we're very proud of you. Oh, thanks. Delaney. Thanks. Hi, Dad. Hey. Hey, this is my first time on. <laughs> but we love you and proud of you. I love you too, honey. Thanks for calling. I'm proud of you. You mean everything to us. You mean everything to me. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, great calls from the girls. Great calls tonight. Great studio audience. Hey, listen, uh, we just want to reach out to you. We give you a challenge. We throw out the challenge. If you don't believe our facts, go to utlm.org. If you don't believe what we're saying about Jesus, go to him and say, Lord, be the Lord of my life. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Help me see. Help me hear. Help me know in my heart. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Woo, that was a wild one. You guys brought a wild one tonight. <laughs>